Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, and we have a very special Google show today. But I am joined, because I'm not solo, I'm joined today with Preposterous Pete. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. And marvelous Melissa Kavanaugh. Hello, happy to be here on this beautiful day. Any requests, Misha, before I say your name? Well, I, did. I feel like I could be viscous. That was a fun word we talked about earlier. There is not anyone in the office with more viscosity than Misha. Thank Bikiki. you very much. Happy to be back. And we are glad to have you. We missed you last week. I missed being here, but I would like to thank uh, Flip2 for being here and Ricky for bringing me wine. He brought me wine. It was not sent to me, but it was hand-delivered, which is an extra special touch, so thank you. All right, so now there's social proof. Everyone else knows that someone else did exactly. it. Exactly. you can, everyone listening at home can now send you And wine. as a testimonial, I am a very happy customer. Mm-hmm. And I think for those playing Misha Bingo at home, that might be a record time of you mentioning that you wanted free wine on the podcast usually yeah. it's towards the end yeah you I, jump right in there I, you know what i'm not not shy about my wants and needs we have but i'm gonna allow it today because this is your episode Woo-hoo. so misha has done a lot of racking her brain and racking everyone's brains and come up with some great trends for 2017 and she's put that together in a amazing uh what would you call it an infographic or a it's like a white paper. white paper. There's some visuals. There's a lot of reading to do that supports the visuals, but we kind of yeah. get to the TLDR version and a lot of graphics as well. Yeah. So you've come up with the, what, five trends that you think are major important this the year? Biggest thing that your hotel needs to know. And not only do I educate you, but we give you some tips and pointers on what your hotel can do to respond to that and stay ahead of the curve. Ooh, I'm sold. Ooh. Where could one find this? Amazing. You can find it on the interwebs. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere particular? Yeah, you can go to fueltravel.com slash trends. So if you go to fueltravel.com slash trends, you can download this amazing thing that we're going to talk about a little bit today. But because there are five and we don't have time to talk about all five, we're going to drill down into one specific one. So which was the one you picked for today's episode? I picked what is arguably, I feel, the most important of the five. And we'll be talking today about Google and how they are working on becoming a well-oiled travel marketing machine. Indeed, that sounds intriguing. But before we get into that, let's see what is going on in the news, Peter. All right, so my news item does not have a corresponding link because it's already on everybody's phone as we speak. So on March 13th, close, Google Trips and their travel app. And on March 13th, which is just two days ago when we're recording the podcast, they rolled out an update that I think everyone has been waiting for and kind of wondering why they haven't done it yet. And that is the ability to manually add both hotel and flight reservations. That was the biggest problem people had with that app was if it didn't get added automatically through Gmail, it wasn't added at all and there was no way to put in your information. So that was a, a big change for Google. I think it's really you know something that people have been waiting on. They've also added the ability to add in bus and train reservations. So for you people who are scared to fly, I guess you now have that information on your phone as well. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially for Europe, where a mm. lot of people get around for, by train or mm-hmm. bus. I think that that's critical. But the manual thing is great because up until now, you, it's Google suit making assumptions. And I don't remember if I mentioned this before on this show. I know I've told some people about it, but we were at the HSMA event in New York and a lady was talking about how 
the event itself was at the uh, Marriott Marquis. She was staying at a different hotel, but because her Gmail account had picked up the, the confirmation that she was attending the show at the Marriott Marquis, Google assumed she had a reserva hotel reservation there. So it put on her Google Calendar, which was shared with her husband, that she had a reservation at the Marriott Marquis and she had told him she was staying somewhere else. So it, it posed, opened a lot of questions, shall we say, to in terms of privacy and, you know, they get it wrong, but she had no way of changing it because up until now, you know, because there was no manual intervention. So. In the same thing, you know, like if you don't use the email address that's associated with your Google Trips account, it won't get picked up either. Mm -hmm. So like for me, you know, when I travel for business, then my reservation always comes into my at fuel travel email address, which can't get picked up. Mm -hmm. You can try forwarding your email from your per your office address to your personal address and it just it got very frustrating. I'm glad they finally did that. But it goes to show you that they're really starting to pay attention more and more and more to travel. Yeah, and my, my Jedi training has taught me two things. One, never underestimate the power of the dark side, but also never underestimate Google. They find a way to succeed. You know, we've talked about Google hotel ads and we'll talk about that more in a little while, but it, it sucked. It was anemic for the first couple of years that it was out and it's only now just found its way. You know, yes, they have some stumbles with whether it's Wave, whether it's Hangouts, whether it's Google Plus, but they always evolve in they're quick to cast away the stuff that doesn't work and take the bits that do work and put the elements into other stuff that is makes them bacoodles of money at our expense as marketers. So yeah, good find, Pete. So what else is going on in the news? So I have an article from tnews.com titled Mobile Search Rates for Hotels Reach Huge Level, which first of all, I'm underwhelmed by that title. I feel like it could be a little bit better. But nonetheless, it was an interesting article. So it summarizes a study that was done by Sojourn. And they um, used their data along with data pulled from Google to examine search and booking trends across both mobile and desktop devices. The study has a lot of really great information in it. Um, so I definitely encourage you to go to TNews and check it out. But the part I wanted to highlight, and I feel like Melissa I know has some interesting thoughts on this is that the mobile search rates for hotels are massively up year to year. And this has been a trend that we've seen with our clients as well. But just to put things into perspective, some specific stats from this report. So mid-scale properties, um, searches via a mobile device are up, are up to 62%. Um, upscale searches are up to 53% on mobile. Luxury is up to 45% on mobile. But then when you look at economy properties, they're up to 73% of searches are coming in from a mobile device. And that is a ton of searches. Yeah, it's really interesting. We, you know, we have a, a wide range of properties on our client roster. And we definitely saw that it was the low, the economy level properties that were the ones where they hit the tipping point first in terms of mobile search traffic or mobile traffic in general hit the 50% mark on those before anyone else. And the argument was, well, this is for, for lower income people, you know, they're still having smartphones, right? They just maybe don't have fast internet at home or they maybe don't have laptops at home. So the primary access to the internet for the, the lower income families is their mobile device. So it makes sense that the lower you go in terms of the quality of the product, the higher the mobile search is gonna be. And I think there's an argument too, especially us being in Myrtle Beach, where we're a destination 
a lot of times, yeah, people plan out their vacations way ahead of time, but there are still a lot of people that just come to the beach and just are looking for hotels when they get here. And I feel like if you're coming here, you're not just going to walk into a five-star hotel in the middle of July expecting there to be availability. Like that's just not the behavior set for that client. So the lower end properties would be the ones where people are coming and expecting there to just be vacancy. I just love when you find a news article that just happened to come up in a client meeting on the day that the news article is being discussed. We literally just had this conversation with a property management group that has a portfolio of 12 different hotels in the area. And they do range from, I would say, mid-scale to upper scale in terms of price. And our data shows exactly what this study is showing, that the lower the price point on the property, the higher percentage of traffic is coming on a mobile phone. And for this month particularly, we saw on the lower property points, we had over almost 60% of traffic coming in on a phone specifically. I think this study is saying mobile being phone and tablet combined, I'm going to guess. Um, My point is just on phone. And then as we scale up in price, we drop down into the low 40% of traffic coming in from a phone. So we Mm -hmm. really did see very mimicking data as what this is showing. Yeah. And the one thing to remember though, is people don't stick to one device, you know? So People are at different points in the journey of booking a hotel room on different devices. And we see that because we look at the conversion rate, right? And we know that more traffic's coming from mobile. And yeah, mobile bookings are increasing, but not at the same rate, right? So a lot of people are starting the journey. They're doing their research. They're they're being inspired to travel on their mobile device. And then they're turning to a desktop or a laptop to actually make the transaction. I think that's going to flatten out over time. It seems to be trending that way. But right now, you've got to make sure your mobile experiences kick ass because that's where people are making the decisions at the top of the funnel. But then ultimately, you've got to have a great desktop experience too because they're going to come and book there most of the time. You have anything to add, Pete? Just uh, obviously what you just said, where you have to have the mobile experience that is the most compelling it possibly can be. You know, everyone focuses on converting that funnel on the desktop, but that's only because that's where they see the funnel starting. The funnel starts, you know, a couple steps back, you know, while that person is, you know, commuting or wherever else they might be, and they're starting on the phone. Exactly. All right. So that's it for the news this week. Uh, let Well, there's a lot of other news. I was trying to think, did you see where the chairman of TripAdvisor, I didn't write this down, this is completely ad-lib, the chairman of TripAdvisor is basically uh, baiting it for TripAdvisor to get purchased. So he's gone out and talked about, you know, whether or not one of the big companies could potentially buy TripAdvisor and their their stock jumped pretty significantly. Hmm. But this is something that we've talked about on the show a lot before about TripAdvisor potentially becoming an OTA and how that threatens, really threatens some of the big guys, the Priceline Group, the Expedia Group. So do one of those guys try to buy TripAdvisor to eliminate competition and gain the assets in the brand? Uh, does Google? There's even been speculation recently that maybe Amazon gets into that game. You know, They the, tried with their Amazon travel, and it didn't really take off. Well, they tried it in a couple of markets. You know, it didn't, and it's, I think travel's tough to do in market by market, right? If you look at, say, Uber that started in, what, San Francisco, and it, you know, it did okay, but it wasn't until it went national and got complete ubiquitous buy-in that it, it really took off. 
So I think Amazon's going to struggle if they take it in a in a regional sense because people travel all over, right? Mm-hmm. So you need all consumers who are traveling in all places to embrace it. So you know, if Amazon wants to get into the travel game, which why wouldn't they? You know, they're controlling every other purchase at this point. Wouldn't TripAdvisor be a good acquisition for them? It's instant success, you know. So is this insider trading? We should buy stock in TripAdvisor. I I think uh, when that news first broke, smart people bought stock hmm. because you looked at the next two days as that news proliferated. Then yeah, certainly the stock went up. But I haven't looked at it in a couple of days, so it may have bounced back down. But I didn't see that, but I did see a Skift article today about how on TripAdvisor how they um, it might have, it was probably the CEO he was speculating that they were or insinuating they were going in the direction of monetizing. Um, other hotel services that people book so like attractions or tours or tickets trying to monetize that and the same models that have hotels yeah i think TripAdvisor is going to have to evaluate all their monetization models in general and look for new revenue streams because we we look at their you know they're a publicly traded company we look at their earnings over the last couple of years versus the years before that ever since they've really jumped into instant booking their revenue has been down significantly mm-hmm. they're cannibalizing the advertising model but on the, at the same time, I don't think the advertising model was sustainable. You know, they, they do things a lot different than a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I, I was just earlier today, I was on the This Week in um, Hotel Digital Marketing uh, live stream with uh, Lauren Gray. It's an HSMAI uh, weekly show that is on Facebook and YouTube. And you guys should definitely check it out. It's a really good show. But Lauren uh, made the point about the bidding model on TripAdvisor is different. You know, so with AdWords, if I bid $2, but the guy below me bids a dollar, assuming we have equal quality scores, then I'm gonna end up paying a little bit more than they did, like five cents more, right? So I'm gonna pay a dollar five. With TripAdvisor, if I bid $2 and the next guy bids a dollar, they, they charge me $2 regardless, right? So there's a lot of wasted money there. So from, from an advertiser perspective, I feel like TripAdvisor has become uh, you know, it's important. It certainly should be part of your investment in advertising, but it's it's not as big as it perhaps was three or four years ago when it was just uh, just TripConnect and Instant Book wasn't there, and and the volume was higher and ROI was better, and there wasn't as much competition. Uh, so it's evolved. You know, our, our folks are making good ROI, but they're not spending nearly as much as they used to on TripAdvisor. And they've also pulled out of certain areas of TripAdvisor. You know, I think. You know, years ago, you look at TripAdvisor as a, you know, 10 to 1 ROI type tool, and people were crazy to abandon TripAdvisor in any way, and they've kind of gotten a little too big for themselves, and I think it does help to have them get knocked back a little bit where their market's not necessarily growing. You have the OTAs coming up with better and better sites. You have better direct booking opportunities, and people are going for the reviews, but if they keep making it so expensive those hotels are not going to keep paying more money when the ROI is starting to drop so dramatically. Yeah, and, and TripAdvisor may be, you know, they may be hurt by their own success, right? Because back when we were seeing a lot of success with TripAdvisor, we, we would give the cautionary tale that this is at the end of the sales research funnel, right? We know that people have done their research. They know where they're going to book. Now they're just going to go to TripAdvisor at the last minute just to make sure they don't get in trouble from their spouse. That's not the case anymore. A lot more people are starting on TripAdvisor or using TripAdvisor throughout, you know, to filter out 
which properties they're going to look at. They'll start on an OTA and they'll look at three or four properties and then go to TripAdvisor and eliminate one or two of them. You know, that's kind of how they use TripAdvisor today. So it, it's not just the end of the conversion, I'm going to get the sale, my ROI is going to be higher anymore because people are using it more than they were say three years ago. Yeah, and But they've also jacked up their rates pretty good too. They have. The ROI I mean, that, has You can't have the ROI that you used to have when you know, they're charging There's, significantly Yeah, your CPC is a lot higher. But again, part of that's because of the bidding system. And, and you know, I think TripConnect's helped. You know, back in the day when we first started doing it, we, we were, you know, at an agency rep that would add, would change the bidding for us. So if we wanted mm -hmm. to up a bid, we'd have to send an email to some dude somewhere in the world and wait for them to respond and say yeah your bid's been increased you know and it, it could take 24 hours and then we were playing cat and mouse with the otas because then they were up, upping it and then it would take us another two days and it was really hard to react whereas now with the you know trip connect we can do it in real time but TripAdvisor is scrambling to make revenue for their state shareholders so they're having to force the price up and that you know that makes it less effective a lot of my clients are taking money out of TripAdvisor and putting it in Facebook because mm -hmm. Facebook is really, really, really cost-effective right now. They're taking it out of TripAdvisor and putting in Google hotel ads because it's becoming more and more and more cost-effective. You know, so TripAdvisor better be careful unless they're really just trying to sell. In which case, do whatever you want TripAdvisor to get sold, and then it's someone else's problem. I'll say one thing, and I don't want to sneak too much into the actual topic of the presentation. But I was looking at some reports for uh, Google Hotel Ads report for the first half of March, and there was one client who broke the 1,000% ROI. Yeah, on. I saw that. Their, their uh, Google Hotel Ads, all right, sit down. If you're not sitting down listening to this, then sit down. Cause Stand this, up if you're sitting down, and then you need to sit down for this. Yeah, this, this will blow your mind. Their Google Hotel Ad return on investment was better than their brand AdWords pay-per-click return on investment. All right, stop and think about that for a second. Someone is going to Google and typing in whatever the brand name is, right? There's a heavy intent there to book that brand, right? You know the ROI there is gonna be a thousand percent, right? You, it's just guaranteed unless you're doing something really bad. The Google hotel ads for that client was higher Meaning it was more, like it just blows my mind. And the reason is Google is getting so sophisticated with their bid modifiers now related to knowing where the person is in the journey, knowing when they're about to pull the trigger on a booking because they're looking at all their search queries. Google is manipulating the bid and, and making sure you are front and center when that person's primed to book. And I think you and I are talking about different clients too. Maybe so. So that's two clients. Yeah, there's a, there's a few clients that are over a thousand percent this month. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. And, and if you go back and you know go back and listen to you know, one of the early episodes, you know we would dog on you know HPA at the time, you know pretty bad because it was not a converting tool. Yeah, there should be a disclaimer at the beginning of every episode, which is if you're listening to this episode more than six months after it was released, then nothing we say holds water because everything changes. Except for the fact that Misha still wants wine. Yeah, that will never, ever She's still ever a drinker, change. everybody. And speaking of uh, the boozy, Misha Bakikio, let's jump into your topic, shall we? Sure. So I would be remiss as a Google AdWords specialist, though, if I didn't correct 
your bidding comment about AdWords. So you will never pay more than one cent over the next highest bid. Okay, one cent. Sorry. Yes, I just wanted what did to I clarify. Say five cents. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You said just a little bit more, maybe five cents, but it's okay. no. It's exactly one cent. Yes. Okay. What if you're not in the United States of America? Whatever your currency is. Okay. One unit of one, one decimal un- unit of currency. <laughs> one currency, please. Okay. I stand corrected. Thank you, Misha. So back to the point of this whole podcast. We are talking all about Google today and specifically how Google has really become one of the major disruptors, your favorite word, Stuart, for the travel space. And That's when, not my favorite word. Which one is your favorite word? Plinth. <laughs> Plinth Go. is my favorite word. Go on. I just what does like that mean? Word, I, don't, I think it's like a little platform or something. I just like the sound of the word plinth. Everybody tweet at Stuart Butler, plinth. Yeah. I carry on. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> talking about Google in the travel space, and when you download the report at fueltravel.com slash trends, you'll notice that um, for each of the five trends, we really try to explore every side of it. So in this case, we're going to touch on several points about Google. So not only some of their products, but how they've made changes in the search engine results and just a few different things they've done specific to the travel space. So the first one, which we were just talking about, is Google Hotel Ads. Formerly Hotel Price Ads, they changed the name um, in 2016. Didn't really tell anybody about it until we started getting reports with a different name on we it. We still call it HBA yeah. in the office way too often. Well, well, now we have to call it Ga. 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 Maybe the G silent is Ha. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We'll, have, we'll reach out to Google yeah. for clarification. Mm-hmm. It could be a soft G. It could be Far. Whoa. Ooh. Ooh. Mind blown. <laughs> so Google hotel ads, for anybody who is unfamiliar, they show up for various search queries. So it could be something very broad. It could be um, a brand name, anything in between in the funnel. They don't give you that information, which would be super helpful as a marketer. And you don't have any control as to when it does or doesn't show up for your hotel. Um, but basically it gives a, it provides a rate on the SERP. And then people are bidding for placement enable for people to book. So you have a lot of OTAs like booking.com um, often will run ads on there. Or you as a hotel can run ads on there. And they're competing with different bidding models as to who shows up in what space. So it's kind of a complicated product if you're unfamiliar with it. There's a lot of documentation on it and it has gotten a lot better. But there's a lot that goes into this. Just to go briefly into some of the bidding options for this, um, there's a max CPC option, which is a percentage of the room price or a fixed amount per night. You have a budget optimizer, which is where a partner sets a max daily budget and Google does all the work and optimizes the bid for you. There is a target ROAS option and then a for limited partners only, which I see this rolling out to more, is a commission-based model where um, a set commission on a hotel group or account level, um, you only pay what is consumed. So you only pay for what is booked. Do which you is know an what percentage twist. that is? I do not. Yeah, we're not on that beta, but it will be interesting to see if they're, you know, what TripAdvisor's between 12 and 15%, depending on which you choose and... You know, typically OTAs are 15 plus. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where they fall yeah. on that spectrum. And it was, I mean, this rolled out in 2014. 
was when it started and it just wasn't a huge success until they really started pushing it out there. I mean, it was probably closer into 2015 when it started really being on at least hotel marketers radars and we were kind of just thrust into this. There wasn't great support for it. The user interface from our side wasn't great. It was just terrible. a difficult. Be honest, it was it was terrible. I mean, as a person that has to work with it, it was terrible. And, and but, from Google, who who traditionally have great UI, right? I mean, look at AdWords. It's not hard to use. Well, our theory had always been the Google's trying to box out anybody who's not an OTA. We always always kind of thought of it as being Google only wants it to be the big OTAs own this space. Yeah, and they made it difficult, right? The barrier to entry was high. You, as an individual hotel, couldn't go to Google and say, sign me up. You had to go through a third-party authorized, you know? Mm -hmm. It took us, as an agency who who transacts hundreds of millions of dollars a year in hotel reservations through our booking engine, it took us months to go through that painstaking process of getting approved and and testing. I mean, it was was tough. And then when we got approved, it was thumbs up, good luck with it. Yeah. yeah, here's the API. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we were left hung out to dry. There was, there and was no. They support. have reps, but it's like, and no, well, okay, be honest, offense to Google. You can I mean, offend Google. Yeah, I mean, they're, even for AdWords, their support is just not great. So we would get a new rep every couple months and we couldn't get anything done. Or, I mean, it was just like a constant standstill. Yeah, and it was a new product. And, and there's so much turnover in Google, or, or at least shifting in how they deal mm-hmm. with agencies like us. That there was no consistency, and everyone we got was not an expert on the product. Mm-hmm. It just—it was like telephone. You would tell them something, and then they'd have to go through seven chains of people in, internally, and then come back with an, a nonsensical answer. It was really tough. Well, thankfully now in 2017, I mean, you just spoke to how great the ROS has been for some of our clients recently. I think they're figuring it out. I mean, they're using a lot of data and they've obviously spent time sophisticating their algorithm to pump out results that are super relevant, which is a little scary when you think about what they're watching, basically our behavior. But I mean, it seems to be working at least from a client perspective. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I've got to believe that their AI, their machine learning, their automated algorithms are way smarter than a human can ever be. Right. So giving control to them is while it sounds really really scary saying here i've got five thousand dollars go spend it as efficiently as you can but don't spend more than this in a day and i'm going to measure the roi sounds really scary on the surface but that's the way to go with google hotel ads it really is because their automated bid modifiers just crush it they really really do a good job i mean maybe it'll put us all out of business right but well that's you have to spend the time doing the setup well, if, you you, if you put the work in on the front end, then from an ongoing basis, it becomes easy. Sure. I feel like it was a light switch that was just turned on after, you know, yeah. I sit in on client meetings, looking at data and talking about conversion rates and ROAS on a weekly basis. And Specifically October or yeah. right around then. It went from, te- like the ROAS went from terrible to people like, like maybe I'm just going to spend like a dollar this month because yeah. I, I'm not wasting my money to all of a sudden, holy cow, we've got money coming in. Let's turn yeah. this on and not only is the return good but the volume is good yeah. too it's you know getting it's actually better. significant you mm-hmm. know that whereas before the return was terrible and the number of bookings was terrible right. too you know well that was the only thing that was really saving them i mean there was a lot of clients that you would you know show the data to and say we've only had a 200 percent return on investment we spent seven dollars and 37 cents <laughs> and they're like well let's okay, roll with it yeah. you know it's, yeah, that's yeah. okay let's keep spending that money and see what happens now we're finally getting to the point now where it's a, you know, a couple thousand dollar a month type campaign, 
and it's going to grow from there. Yeah. My wish list though for this product is give us more visibility into mm-hmm. where the ads are getting clicked from. You know, is is it the local pack? Is it on brand? What keywords is it on? Is it in the mapping? You know, I'd, I'd like to get more understanding of the data. Uh, I'd, I'd still probably let Google do their thing because the return's great right mm-hmm. now. But you know, I'd I think, like to get you know, deeper. why this is a disruptor. I mean, they've gotten over the past just few years so much better at this. And they were the first search engine to do this. I mean, it makes sense. They're obviously the, the largest search engine. But now I'm wondering, is Bing going to follow up and roll out something similar? You know, are some of these other search engines in other countries going to follow suit and try to create similar products? I don't know. Yeah, and you know, it's what's really interesting about this is if you'd asked me when it first rolled out three or four years ago, I would have said by now, because it was in beta then, they were testing it, I would have thought they would have rolled it into AdWords by this point. I really would have. And, and why they've decided to keep this separate is interesting. I mean, they do that on a couple of other things like flights as well. But I would have, I would have sworn this would have been an AdWords mm-hmm. extension by now. But now, there's no way they'll ever roll this into mm-hmm. AdWords. It's a completely different platform, mm-hmm. you know? Ready for number two? We'll get off our plinth on Google Hotel ads. <laughs> Are we just going to use that word out of context yeah, as much word. as we can? Yeah. And we got to use preposterous today. Yes, right? that's preposterous, Pete. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so the second reason that Google is becoming a well-oiled travel marketing machine is their recent destinations on Google product. So this isn't something that you would necessarily know when you're seeing it, especially as a consumer. Um, I feel like us marketers are aware of it and it takes many forms on the, on the SERP. So it's not like it's just one box that you can easily identify. Um, this launched in spring 2016 and it triggers, um, with certain search terms, often very broad search terms, um, related to a destination. So I have some screenshots in the show notes, um, or you're welcome to search for a few vacations on your own just to, so you can see what this looks like. So the example I used was Barcelona vacation. And I looked up, um, I think Caribbean vacation were the two I looked at. Um, what it does is for something very, very broad where it's the intent is people really aren't sure what they're looking for. They just want information. There's different boxes that Google will present. So in one of the examples, when I was looking at Caribbean, um, Turks and Caicos was a box that popped up for popular destinations. And then it has um, several images that show up with information pertaining to flight prices, hotel prices, and you can scroll through the box. And then there's a little button that says more destinations in Turks and Caicos Islands. So you click on that and then you're redirected to, um, I think it's destinations.google.com or google.destinations. It's a whole entirely separate part of Google And then when you go to that for your destination, you're presented this huge wealth of information about whatever it is. So looking at Turks and Caicos, there's information on all of the individual islands. You have a lot of information on area attractions and things to do. They've started pulling in local travel guides um, and local information about how much it would cost for a flight. And it links out to the flights, how much hotels cost. It links out to hotel price ads or Google hotel ads. Um, I mean, there's just so much information on there. And not only is it incredibly user-friendly, it's just, it's so much information and the user experience is so great. Like, it's a good product. Yeah, they've done this one really well. And it's interesting because if you look at Google with flights, it took them a a while to figure it out. But almost everyone I talk to now, 
uses Google Flights to search for any mm-hmm. kind of flight, right? Unless you're going to go for Spirit or someone that's not aggregated on it. They tried it with hotels, with Hotel Finder. Remember Google.com slash Hotel Finder? And, and the interface was terrible, and it didn't solve any of the mm-hmm. problems related to finding a hotel. And OTAs did a better job. But now bringing that together, bringing the accommodations in the flights and rental cars and whatever else they're going to bring into into destinations. And the smartest part of it is everything that's there is monetized. You know? yeah. It looks like organic content, but they're linking you out to Google Hotel ads and Google Flights and all these other places. Ultimately, they're, they're getting a few cents all the time. You know? Sure. And they, they're serving these types of boxes on incredibly high search volume terms that are obviously in that very early um, travel planning phase, but they're going ahead and introducing their products really early in that funnel. And that's why it becomes even more important to be present in that space as a hotel. Yeah, my prediction for this is that the CVBs and destination marketing organizations that have way more money than they need and are really trying to find places to spend it, these people are going to be investing in this. Google's going to find a way to tap into that money, mm-hmm. which they've, you know, other than AdWords, they've really not had been able to do that. So whereas people now, like CVBs, will go and buy a section on TripAdvisor, I see that shifting to this in Google. I but, think this validates our travel study and how we're continuing to see the number that, that, of... That's why Google did it. That's why. To validate us. to validate us. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The number of websites visited during the course of planning a vacation is shrinking. And this is a perfect point. Look at all the information the user can get to before even leaving Google. Before they click on a single website, look at how much research that they can do. Yeah, exactly. That tra- that study that uh, Melissa is referring to is you can get, you can download a copy at uh, fueltravel.com slash study. Or we have a newer one that is focused on websites which is fueltravel.com slash website study so either slash study or slash website study you'll see and those were done about six months apart and most of the questions were different but one of the questions that was asked the same was how many different hotel websites do you visit during your research in six months ago it was 4.6 now it's 4.4 so it's decreasing even more and that's down significantly from you know two or three years ago when the number was considered to be up to 30, you know, 30, 20, 19. I've seen a lot of different numbers. Well, we're seeing it's it's in the single digits now, for sure. So Google's been building all of these platforms in their own little silos for so long. I mean, how many customers really even know about slash destinations within Google? But they've been building them and building them. Is this going to be kind of like a a Marvel universe where they have all these individual things going on. And Infinity War is coming right well, next. Well, no, then it all comes together. And yeah. from a customer's perspective, now they have one place to go for, you know, flights, travel, everything is going to be right there. And it's kind of come from you, not out of nowhere, Yeah. but people like They've been laying the Infinity Stones throughout every one of them. Well, they have. It, I, it, love it, your, I love your analogy. I'm totally going to steal that, right? dude. Yeah. But no, people like TripAdvisor, Expedia, and all of them really probably haven't paid much attention because it's always been just a search mm-hmm. engine. And I feel that the winds are changing on this a little bit. You just blew my mind. And anytime you reference Marvel, I'm going to get excited because I'm a total nerd. <laughs> so now the, we can... The girls are looking at us like, what in the world? <laughs> are we ready to discuss the next plinth on our list? <laughs> yes. I don't think you used that word, right? I do not think that oh, word means did. what you think it means. But Pete did. Yes, I, I substituted a soapbox for plinth. Okay, Something I guess it's on. a platform, yeah. That's true. Okay. Whatever. Okay. 
Uh, we had already started talking about this, but it ties right into what you were alluding to, Pete, was the next piece of their puzzle is the Google Trips app, which I know you had some news on that. But, and I feel like a lot of people aren't even aware that this is a thing yet, but I downloaded it on the list of the approximately 47 travel apps that I downloaded onto my phone and it almost exploded and I reviewed all of them. I reviewed the Google Trips app. It launched last fall, so fall 2016, and its purpose is to allow travelers to create personalized travel itineraries. So it pulls in um, and now you can manually add your travel reservations, so flights, hotels, trains, planes, buses, canoes, boats, whatever. And it allows you to research and save destination-specific information. So there's a lot in there that you can play around with, with local restaurants and things to do and day trips and how to get around town, etc. But you cannot actually book anything on the app yet. 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 Not sure if that's going to be a thing. Um, My main qualms with this app is how helpful is it really? Like I downloaded it and even after I finished my review, I deleted most of the apps that I downloaded, but I kept this one just because I happened to be going on a trip and it imported my information. So I was like, oh, I'll keep this around and see. And it just wasn't very useful. Like I never used it. Yeah, it's it's version one. It's in its infancy. I think they, they're going to take the data they get from Google hotel ads and Google flights and destinations and all this other stuff they're doing. It, they're going to find a way to monetize it. And I'm almost wondering, and this is purely speculation, but if they're going to, not only that, but kind of fill the missing piece of their social puzzle and start adding in some social integration and try to make it what Google Plus never was? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can do that around a niche like travel, you know? Because social social needs to be like a... What they tried to do with Google Plus was make it a layer on the internet, right? Instead of a destination like Facebook. And and that's just not how people use social. So I I don't know if they could go all in on travel Hmm. and, and that be successful, but... Certainly, if Google Plus were big right now, it would be integrated with with uh, Google Trips. I don't know. I downloaded it and used it when it first came out. You know, like Pete said, it, they've just recently done some updates. I found no use for it whatsoever yeah. and deleted it. It's still on my phone. I guess I can delete it. I don't have any trips coming. I still so. have it on mine. And the only reason I knew that they did the update was I was looking at my updates and it said, you know, what was new. And I said, oh, finally, it's starting to get you know, some level of, mm-hmm. you know, usage to well, it. Well, now you can pencil in that uh, big bus trip you have coming up. I know, exactly. <laughs> so. Don't you hate it when your apps, you get like an app you use frequently says it's got an update and you go look to see what the notes are for the update and it says fixed bugs. Yeah. <laughs> you suck. Yeah. I was like, well, excited. There was yeah. a new feature yeah, or I wanted something. a new level in the game or That's something. That's exactly right. It was, no, you fixed bugs. I didn't yeah. notice any bugs. Yeah. I digress. Get off your plinth. <laughs> I did that Google Plinth, and it is a heavy base supporting a statue or vase. There you go. Or vase. I, I was, or vase, depending on your pronunciation. Vase or pronunciation. <laughs> it's one of the most mispronounced words. What? Pronunciation. Ooh, what did I say? It sounded like you said pronunciation. Did you not? I don't know what I said. How do you pronounce pronunciation? Pronunciation. pronunciation? Yeah. So like enunciate? Announcement. Yeah, I guess. Uh, hey, look what AdWords is up to. <laughs> what is? <laughs> Thanks for getting us back on track. Thanks, no problem. Pete. So the next point as to why Google is disrupting the travel industry, I briefly wanted to just point out how much the 
search engine results pages have changed, particularly for the travel space. So if you think about when I first started using Google, it was just maybe two ads and then what are now called the organic search results. There wasn't much to them. It was pretty much just, you know, you're type so, in something. You're so young. And, when the other three of us in the room started using Google, one, it was called Lycos, but two, because <laughs> Google didn't exist. Flash, um, all the flash. Yeah, but two, there were no ads. Ads didn't exist. It was all organic. Well, then somebody decided <gasps> to flip some ads up and then made a million dollars. That's right. But so thinking about that, and now, you know, depending on what you type in, it's going to be completely different. But for demonstration purposes, you know, you type in something generic like, I don't know, San Antonio Hotels. And you're going to get four paid ads because there's four ads there now. And then you're going to have a map with three to four Google Hotel ads placements there. And then you're going to have the organic search results. So even on a desktop or a laptop computer, there's nothing organic above the fold. And then if you think about that on a phone, you're scrolling for a while before you get to any organic search results. This is so frustrating for so many of our clients because we just continue to see natural search trends just so in fluctuation. And we know that their organic search ranking hasn't changed, but yet their volume is down. So going back to the Lycos comment. Oh, it, used to be, it could be Ike yeah, site. A long time ago, the PPC ad, there was two of them. They had a big box around them that said advertisement. And then right underneath that was all the organic results. And it seems like over time, Google's realized, well, if I just push these free results down and keep putting paid results above them, I make more. And that's yeah, kind of what's they, they, You know, it's interesting because philosophically, Google wants to be the most relevant results, right? They want to provide the right answer to the query that is entered into Google, right? If they don't do that and people don't get what they need, they're going to leave Google and go somewhere else. They have choice, right? And a disruptor will come and it will replace Google, just like every empire eventually falls. So Google, I'd say up until the last two years, has done a really good job of balancing that, right? But it does seem like in 2016, they've gone all in on paid stuff. And like you said, above the fold now, there's zero, zero organic listings. Because this time last year, there were only three ads and then the rest of the ads were on the right. Then it was the organic listing, the first organic listing, sometimes the top two. Then it was the local pack. They've done away with that, you know? So what was a number one organic listing last year was usually position three, is now position eight or nine. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. And as a as a as a marketer, it I, it frustrates me from an organic perspective, but it, it means that my AdWords and my Google Hotel ads are doing a better job, right? They're performing better for my clients' money. As a consumer, it, it's changing my behavior of how I look for stuff, like the queries that I make. You know, I'm getting more granular in it, and I'm I'm trying to find. Like, I don't want to get. Depends if I'm trying to buy something, I'll click on the ads. But if I'm trying to find the answer to a question, and yeah, knowledge graph will show a lot of times. But I find myself just skipping the ads a lot more than I used to, and trying to get down to, you know, Wikipedia or whatever the organic authority is on that solution. So I'm, I'm as a consumer, a little disenfranchised with Google because they've gone too much. They've turned it up too high, and that's frustrating to me as a consumer. I don't find what I want as quickly as I wanted. I mean, as a marketer, it's definitely frustrating. For me as a consumer, most of the times when I'm doing a how-do-I type result, mm -hmm. I really don't get too many paid 
listings because it's usually how do I yeah, it do depends on what you're this. looking up though like if you're like as an example how do I lose weight there's gonna be tons of ads yeah so it just I think it just depends on the search query true All right let me ask you this though Pete when you're on a search engine and you type how do I how many more times now do you click on video at the top versus looking at the web results like if I'm trying to figure out how yeah. to do something, I'm I'm nine out of ten going to, go videos, to the videos, right? Or if I'm looking for something visual, a lot of times I'll click right on images, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm it's changing my behavior with how I interact with search engines. No, I, I absolutely agree with that because when I'm looking for something, I like oh I know I just seen this, I always click on news because mm -hmm. yeah, I know this is the other one. That's actually what I'm shopping for. a little bit, right? So. I think those tabs at the top, which I didn't used to use two years ago, I'm finding myself using a lot more frequently now. Do you know what I think of all this above the fold nonsense? What's that? Preposterous. It is preposterous. Yes. They need to put it all on a plinth and we'd all be good. Uh, you know, but this conversation about the SERP leads into the uh, voice search in us potentially going to a SERP-less society, right? This so, kind of is a scary area, I think, for marketers. Yeah, I, I think this is the one thing, like a lot of things I see the trend and, and I can anticipate where it's going and I can kind of come up with solutions for our, our clients. Surplus results, I really am scratching my head trying to figure out how the heck do we deal with this? Because I get, I get the semantic web, right? That's been something we've talked about a lot for a long time. We, we've had schema.org markup on our hotel websites for a long time so that Google understands objects and how they relate, right? What is a hotel and how are reviews related to it? And what is a room type? And, you know, that kind of stuff we get. That is necessary for voice recognition to work, right? Because Google's not only got to understand what you're saying, it's got to figure out the meaning, the semantics of it, and then interpret that in a way that it can bring back results that make sense. And when I'm talking about on my phone using Siri and I see results, that's one thing, because they've got the visual component, not a problem. But when I start talking about Google Home or Amazon Echo or even Apple Watch, and Apple eventually will have an in-home device, right? As I get to that, how is Echo gonna handle it when, when I'm asking for a hotel room? Right? Because it can't give me a list of 10 hotels that's just not efficient. So is that first result on organic, what it's going to tell me about? Or is it the first paid ad, what it's going to tell me about? That really, really scares me as a marketer. As a consumer, if it's the right result, not a problem. But as a marketer, how in the world are we going to get in front of our customers if people go to this surplus voice-activated search? I'll make a, well, first of all, on that point, I think you're going to see more home integration to where, you know, that's a tough question, Stuart. Thank you for asking. Look at your TV for the answer. Sure. And maybe it'll give you a couple answers. Right. But I'll make a prediction. In this case, it is the 17th of March. Amazon is either going to need to partner with a search engine or they need to just kill the echo completely. What if they build their own search engine? <clears throat> They need to go fast, but yeah, that's a mind-blowing one right there, mm -hmm. because we have we have the Amazon Echo at our house, and you cannot ask it any questions except I don't know to play that song. What yeah, song? Yeah, Easy Street. It'll yeah. play Easy Street. <laughs> it will tell you the weather. Oh, you could play Jeopardy. Yeah, but it, it right now there's no like if you look at the Google Home, you can ask it a lot of questions and it has answers for it. 
But we've gotten to the point with our Echo where you ask it a question. I'm sorry, I don't know what you're asking. So it's basically just like Siri because Siri is garbage. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah. it's it's 40% effective. You can learn what it does well, but it's getting smarter, right? Mm-hmm. You look at Alexa when or Echo when it was launched, there were 16 tricks or what mm-hmm. are they called? They call them uh, skills, skills, right? Skills. Within 60 days, there were like 1,500. Now there's 15,000. You know, so it's getting better, but it still sucks. Well, that's like yeah. the same, the same history of mobile apps, though, right? Yeah, sure. The first ones that came out were like spirit levels, bubble levels, and yeah, stuff like shake you your phone and make popcorn. Like I, yeah. I don't know why I'm doing this, but it's fun and I'm doing it. Yeah, blow <laughs> yeah. out the birthday candle. Yeah, I'm, I'm just afraid Amazon, the Echo is going to become the Microsoft Zune of the like MP3 type How players. Day. I, I will <laughs> say it right now. Because I don't want to tell Echo, Amazon, you know, launch this skill, ask it this question. Like Google Home, you just say, hey, who was the first person to walk on the moon? Yeah, and they've it knows certainly an got answer. better knowledge graph. I feel like Echo is doing a better job of integrating with your life in general in terms of you know, smart home integration, ordering Uber, ordering pizza, ordering my washing detergent, stuff like that. If a- Amazon can get people hooked on using the product to order stuff then i think that's how they'll not become obsolete and that's why they're doing things like initially when the dot came out you could only order it through an echo right you had to use they're doing stuff like that to try to force people to jump that gap of thinking about it and actually doing it once you've done it once Mm -hmm. you're going to be doing it regularly what i'm seeing from a hotel perspective you know i think people are experimenting they're buying the products they're asking it silly questions just because they can but long term i don't know if i ever see the traditional research process being replaced by a google home or an amazon echo but i do definitely see if you stay at the same hotel every year or your business travel it stays with hilton every time you travel using that and saying hey i need a reservation at the the marriott downtown raleigh or i need a reservation at you know whatever oceanfront resort myrtle beach that you are a customer of already but then the question comes well where are they pulling those rates from is it going to be from your hotel website is it going to be from booking.com with the partnership they have that's where it could get tricky yeah that's a good point because i could see asking google home or alexa you know, hey, how much would it be for Marriott Downtown Raleigh? And it knowing that answer. But I don't know that I would ask, you know, where should I stay? I'm going to Raleigh. But I could see you get to a point, you know, as it gets more sophisticated where you say, I want a kid-friendly hotel within five miles of this landmark in this city within this price range. You know, it the data exists. It does, but going back to the the website behavior study, 88% of the people have to look at photography and have to look at reviews before they make those decisions. Yeah, but you could you could add caveats to that, right? With the reviews, at least, you could say with at least a four-star rating, mm-hmm. you know? But where does it aggregate all that information from? I mean, the OTAs are better positioned than individual properties, for sure. Mm-hmm. Google was very well positioned because they're collecting that data for the Google Home. So. Well, so this leads nicely into kind of the wrap-up for you know just the discussion on google is will google eventually become an ota and there's a lot discuss there's a lot to discuss here so they have claimed that they thus far have no intention of entering the ota space although some of their moves 
question that. Says the person who's interested in entering the OTA. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you know who says they're not interested. Yeah. yeah. And just to put things in perspective, so we have um, you know links in this article if you go to the show notes that reference this. But just to put things into perspective, Google's travel business is already twice the size of Expedia's alone. If you think about all of the revenue that they're generating. Um, from even just the OTAs from products like Google AdWords or Google Hotel Ads, it's already massive. Yeah, I mean, you look at Expedia and Priceline, they're both spending billions of dollars, like 2 to $3 billion a year advertising, right? Where is most of that advertising doing? Sure, there's TV, but the vast majority is going to Google. You know, they're spending a ton, ton of money. Mm-hmm. And now hotels are spending a ton of money through Google Hotel Ads. TripAdvisor is spending a ton of money. Yeah, well, so have, of course I'm not going into the OTA business yeah. when... When that's where my yeah. bread and butter is, you know? Oh, yeah. So, uh, and again, this was all referenced in the notes, but so this was estimated. I don't think they've released actual numbers, but it was estimated that Google will generate roughly $12.2 billion in revenue from travel in 2016, with approximately $6.2 billion of that coming from just four major spenders. So Priceline, Expedia, TripAdvisor, and Airbnb. It's, it's That's bananas, a lot of money. Right? That's a lot of money. <laughs> so they can't flip a switch, right? But they could do what TripAdvisor's doing, where they're having their cake and eating it, right? They started out with TripConnect, and, and TripAdvisor's making a lot of money from these OTAs. In, but now they're getting into this instant booking. And they're like, you know what, instant booking? Yeah. OTAs, can, you can join in on that too. So you can pay me more money. But uh-huh. you know what, I'm going to start cutting out the middleman and going direct to the hotel. Well, and they have that now with the book on Google. Exactly. So I think Google isn't saying that they don't want to get into the OTA space. I think what they're saying is right now we can't because there's too much revenue. Sure. You know? And I agree. But if you think about it, right, from a slice of the pie perspective right the hotel at the end of the day is getting uh the revenue right the guest is staying with the hotel they're the provider of the product right so then anyone that leads to the sale can get a percentage of that so right now the otas are getting say 15 20 25 percent of that and they're giving a percentage of that to google to advertise to get the exposure now google would much rather get the 15 20 25 percent you know, themselves and cut out the Expedias of the world, uh, or maybe even get like just 15% and, and let the hotel save 10%, right? That that would be a better model for Google, a better model for the hotel. The only person that would lose out is the OTAs. The consumer would be fine with it. You know, maybe that would keep prices down on hotels too. So theoretically, you know, it works, but how do they get from where they are, where they're so reliant, what do you say, $12 billion is coming from travel or from these four big OTAs or 12 Airbnbs? is the travel and okay. then 6.2 is so the four big spinners. So half, half of their travel revenue is coming from these four guys yeah. that they're really trying to compete with. And I was interested, I don't want to get off on another tangent, but I was interested to see Airbnb in that top four category. Yeah. Well, Airbnb is, is trying to expand, trying to get market share and, and ultimately probably wants to flip, you know, they want to sell, but so it makes sense. They're an aggressive so buy mode. stock in Airbnb too. Maybe so. Stock well, tips for Misha, who had a C in finance. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, look at all the things that Am, uh, sorry, Google has transformed. I mean, obviously the search market as, but there's so many other ways where we get information from Google that's just been completely changed. They don't necessarily have to get into the OTA business. The OTA business is kind of getting into them. 
you know, they just keep doing what they're doing. They become the repository for all this information. And, you know, Expedia and everybody else is going to them already. They don't necessarily have to get into the business when they become basically the playing field. But it's about revenue at the end of the day. They're a company that wants to make as much profit, right? So they know that Expedia, TripAdvisor, all these people are making a ton of money from not really having a product. They're a middleman, right? Which is what Google mm-hmm. is. So why why let someone else take a piece of the pie if you can you can have it yourself? I don't know. There's a reason Google have collect, started collecting uh, reviews. There's a reason Google has started collecting photos. There's a reason Google collects all the data on a business and has started booking. You know. Uh, well, look look at it this way. They're already collecting all your hotel reservation information on Google Trips. Mm-hmm. They're collecting all your information in your emails, in your web browser, in your mobile phone. Everything you do, Google is, is watching. They're looking at your, they're scouring your social feeds. They're, it's all part of their algorithms, right? Yeah, I and mean, they could effectively turn off the OTAs right. in very short order if they wanted to. Right. But what? where's that $6 billion But it would be a from? risk, right? They don't know if it would work, you know, because would hotel budgets... If, if you went to a hotel and said, you're spending $1,000 a month on Google right now, and you not need, now need to spend every dollar you're currently spending on OTAs, you need to spend on, on Google, no one's going to do that. No one's going to say, I'm going to stop spending any money with Expedia and put $100,000 a month into Google overnight. That's just not realistic, right? But what would happen? What would happen if Google said, we're no longer going to allow OTAs to bid on AdWords? And any any of those paid ad positions are now going to direct to Google hotel ads. Think about how fundamentally that would shift the ecosystem for travel. They couldn't do it physically. They couldn't do it because the budgets aren't there in the hotels to spend on Google hotel ad, uh, hotel ads. But wouldn't that be crazy if they did it? Well, if they wanted to buy an OTA, you do that for a little bit, and then all the OTAs are cheap. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, that's why to me, Google could buy TripAdvisor. You know, it would be a definite shift in a different direction for them, and maybe not part of their mission. But financially, it might make sense. Potentially, we're all looking at each other like we all have the answers. None of us know anything. I don't know why people listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> I assume it's because of my charm and wit, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe so. Keeps we, them coming back for more. We sit around and pontificate. So what, what can hotels do? So let's get this back to a tangible conclusion. So the answer to your question of is Google going to become an OTA is they could, but they're probably not anytime mm-hmm. soon, right? That's that's really the answer. So I like this this show to be something where people can take away something from each episode. So what, what would your takeaways be? Like what can hoteliers especially independence, what can they take from this knowledge and how can they apply it? I feel like my biggest takeaway is just to be aware of the options and stay on top of what Google is doing. You know, I think there was a lot of hotels out there that were just completely blindsided even a year or two after when Google hotel price ads at the time rolled out and they just weren't a part of it and were just not paying attention to it. And now all of a sudden it's a huge thing. I mean, I think personally being the biggest search engine there is out there, 
as much time as some people might want to spend focusing on Bing or Yahoo. I mean, this is where you need to start and you need to stay on top of it and just understand what your options are and understand how the environment is constantly changing and what you can do. So when the organic search results gets pushed down, maybe it is time to push a little bit more money to AdWords or hotel price ads or, you know, what are some less competitive terms that aren't serving those results that perhaps we can invest a little bit of um, our search engine optimization budget into to show up there. I will just reiterate what Misha said. I think today in 2017, and this is March 2017, I, if you're not already, I do think you really need to consider getting on the Google Hotel ad bandwagon because it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. It's only going to get bigger. And again, brand PPC. How many times have we talked about that? I think you've got to do brand PPC in order to fight the fact that your organic listing is just never going to be seen again. All right, maybe that's an exaggeration. <laughs> A little bit. You know, I would also say that I don't know if the term pivot is too overused now, but you know, plan on being able to pivot quickly and always keep a certain portion of your budget set aside for exploratory things. HPA or GHA was an exploratory budget item and now it's gone nuts. And we're spending you know, more money on that. We're also seeing a better return. There's going to be something else coming after that. And at some point the GAH bandwagon is going to you know, kind of collapse a little bit because Google understands what that ROAS is expected to be. So they may start raising kind of what those costs are going to be. So have the budget that you're working with and be ready to adopt and adapt to what Google changes. And the only way to do that is to keep track of everything. Like use your analytics, look at it on a weekly, monthly basis, and, and, and have a fluid budget. If you at the start of the year say, I'm going to spend X on AdWords, X on Google Hotel Ads, X on Facebook, at the end of the year, you're going to be spending your money really inefficiently because... You know, if we look at Facebook, we look at Google, we look at all these places where we're spending our money, the effectiveness can change, like you said, on a dime. You do, do really, really have to pivot on a very, very frequent basis. And the other thing I'd say is don't just do it in isolation. Talk to the industry. See what is happening to other people in other markets or even in your own market. Form a co-op. Join the chamber. Join a group of people that can share openly and honestly with what is working and what is not and if you really start then call an agency you know there's a ton of hotel agencies out there you fuel us being one of them if you need help managing your budget go find an expert that is doing it for thousands of other clients because they really understand what's working right now and what's not the worst thing you could be doing is spending this money this year the way you spent it last year because guess what the industry has changed the consumers are continuing to change and if you stick with that mentality, then you might as well still be doing print advertising and direct mail and nothing else because that you know that was effective 20 years ago. It's not nearly as effective today. So you're saying don't run banner ads on Lycos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Uh, I think Lycos went out of business around the early 2000s. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe someone should bring it back. It's got the brand recognition, yep. right? I think, did Yahoo buy them? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe we'll do an episode on the history of the search engines. People would fall asleep. That'd actually be pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, would it though? Yeah. Really? For me. Yeah. 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 What you've got to remember is, is, is Google and search in general right now is where people start their journey to figure stuff out. Whether they're answer, asking a question, whether they're planning a trip, whatever it is. But that, that could be shifting. And, and I would say 
keep a real real close eye on Facebook. I mean, people have talked about Facebook for a long time becoming the internet. You know, we've talked about that on the show. But we are beginning to see a behavioral shift in the terms of the results from ads on Facebook. Not only does it give us a little more control related to how we can target and retarget people better than probably Google, I'd say, but uh, people are beginning to behave differently in terms of being willing to stop snooping on their ex-girlfriend slash boyfriend and start consuming directly from Facebook. We've got you know, ads specific for travel now. We've got the ability to book from Facebook directly now. There's a lot of things that Facebook's doing that, yes, I agree with Misha and the trend that Google right now is a major disruptor and you've got to be all in. But we might be sitting here in 2018 trends and talking about the same thing with Facebook. Thoughts? Oh, I agree. You know, I'm a huge advocate and fan of Facebook advertising. I think it is the targeting options are limitless and they are great because it really allows you to build a persona and reach that person. I think Google's getting there, but just comparing like the display network advertising options to Facebook, just from a, not even retargeting, but just from a persona perspective, blown away by Facebook. And we've definitely seen, and Melissa can agree with this, we've seen, although I will say that the money you're spending, the reach has gone down for what you're spending. The revenue is there to justify that. So you're reaching the right person and it's converting. And if the messaging is right and the targeting is right and you, and you think about people in the funnel and where they are and how, what you want them to do, you can't just go blast out, Hey, book now, right? That's not effective on Facebook. You've got to wine and dine people. Am I right in saying this? We had an ad that was a, a one penny per click earlier this week for, um, one of our portal clients. Yes, I think that's correct. One penny a click. I didn't well, know so, you- and that was for me too. We had a report we just went over and we had several that were one penny per engagement or whatever it was. And yeah. we had an ad that had a 2200% ROAS. Yeah. And, and there were other channels, right? This is, this is bananas to me, right? This will blow your mind. So can, if you do it right, if the messaging's right, if the, if the implementation of the tool is right, it can be effective. And this is why, to Pete's point, you've got to have a discretionary budget. You've got to be experimenting with stuff. Thank you for using that word because I personally hate the word exploratory. Continue. All right. Discretionary (laughs) versus exploratory? I hate that word. All right. Uh, Do you hate it more than moist? That word doesn't necessarily bother me. Okay. It bothers a lot of people in the office. All right. So Snapchat, right? Snapchat would be terrible for hotels to jump all in on, right? They shouldn't be spending any money doing anything on Snapchat. So we had a client this week that went out and did, they've got some new inventory. It's like more condo type inventory. It's like a beach house. So they went out on Snapchat, didn't really have an audience. They've been putting out junk on Snapchat up until now, but they did a tour of this new inventory. So it's a pretty nice beach house, oceanfront, right? So they go and they put out a video of a tour of this beach house on Snapchat. They get two sales from it, 80 views, but two sales. It's like on Snapchat. <laughs> that the return on investment for that what they just did is infinite. What, they yeah, went they out, spent they, no money they on it. They spent no money. It took them an hour to go shoot. Oh, an, not an, even. An They're iPhone. ten second clips. Right. Probably took ten minutes. That's true. And they got they got inquiries and sales from it on Snapchat. It blows my mind. Well, you always say, Stuart, the from an early adopter perspective, yeah, the arbitrage phenomenon is yeah. is critical, right? I'm not telling everyone that's listening to go spend a ton of time on Snapchat. I'm just saying that look at the channel, 
look at what people are consuming, be creative and experiment and test and, and monitor and analyze, you know, and, and you should have a very healthy budget that is spread out across all these channels, right? Sometimes that's too hard for an individual property to do on their own. That's why they need agencies like Fuel or the other guys that are out there in the industry doing it. I feel like we're setting the record for the longest podcast ever. Well, I think we've also set the stage for a new podcast where it's, you know, Facebook, the sleeper search engine. Ooh. Ooh. Stay tuned. All right. So speaking of, are we done with this topic? We are done. All right. Done. I hope everybody enjoyed. Please go download the full version. It's full of awesomeness. Fueltravel.com slash trends. Is that right? With an N. Yeah, just one N. Trends. There's no silent G H, no soft G H. It's just trends. Uh, but t- speaking of future episodes, so we have a birthday coming up, guys. Ooh, it's yeah. a big one. We are going to be one whole year old. Aww. On uh, April seventh, and we to mark that will be our fiftieth anniversary, and we're going to try something we have not done before. Ooh, to be helpful and educational. We did to do a thirty-minute podcast. To be serious, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did that to start with. Uh, no, we're going to do it live, guys. And we're going to do it live and on video so they get to see our ugly mugs. Does that mean I have to, like, dress, put some, put put some makeup on, on. And makeup? I'm not dressing up. Okay. I'll tell you that. I will probably be wearing a football shirt or slash soccer shirt or a Star Wars t-shirt, probably. And I will be still drinking my beverage of adult variety. Oh, I should bring wine. Maybe so. N- make sure everyone can see that you don't have wine. And then yeah, have an empty glass and just keep looking at it like... <laughs> Wait, hello like a, just yeah i like drank no cheers. i should just drink the whole bottle before the podcast and then, that would make it interesting <laughs> so we are going to broadcast simulcast on facebook and youtube and it's going to be awesome but it's going to be an ama and ask me anything kind of a thing so if you have any burning questions related to hotel marketing you can get them in early if you go to twitter and uh, just hit us up at fuel travel and send us your questions we're going to have a hashtag that we haven't picked that out yet, but during the actual live event, we'll have a hashtag where you can submit questions. Is this like an Twitter. ask me almost anything? Because it kind of needs to be like... Nope, anything. Hotel related, hotel marketing related, Star Wars related. Anything goes. Hotel be- AMA. You heard it here first, folks. Beekeeping related. Um, I'm looking around the room. Dogs, wine. wine related, dog related. Whatever. Baking, running, cooking, running. running. Yeah. So anything that we're knowledgeable about, we will try to answer as long as it's clean and family friendly. Well, even if it's not, we'll probably answer it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just uh, slide into the DMs in that case. So that <laughs> is going to be on April 7th around, what, 2 p.m.? Sure. Is that what we're saying? I'll be here. And we were going to Eastern have, time, that is. Eastern time. We're going to have a lot of fun. Sorry for those folks in Europe if that's a little late for you guys. I know a lot of people will knock off work early on a Friday, especially in England, and we have a lot of listeners in England. But, you know, you'll Wait, still be able thing? to listen to it on the, uh, on the podcast channel. But we're going to try doing it live, like I said, on YouTube and Facebook And if you well. are at a place where it's not convenient to watch live, send us those questions early and we can still answer them for you. And then you'll hear them. Yeah, you with your listen. ears, you'll hear them Yep, via the podcast. And then I also need a plug as well. We are doing a webinar next week. It's on uh, what are we in, March 23rd. We're doing it with Stay in Touch and Flip2. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to be talking about how consumers' expectations have changed and how you can change your tactics to better target them, better get them booked, better keep them happy, better retarget them, get them come back and be evangelists as well. That is going to be cool. If you're interested in attending that 
webinar, you can go to fueltravel.com slash webinar. And Pete, where can they find you on the webs? They can find me on Twitter at pdemeo, and they can ask me any question they want, and we'll answer it on the podcast. Pete is an expert beekeeper, so if you have any hivery-related questions. I'm an aspiring beekeeper. Is there a name for beekeepers? Beekeepers. Uh, yeah, beekeepers. Is, is, there a, <laughs> is there a term for, like... Apiary. Okay. Did you make that up? No, no, I'm not that clever. No. <laughs> apiary, apiary is someone who maintains bees, as far as I know. Okay, that was what the word I was looking for. Awesome. Melissa? I'm on Twitter at M-A-Kavanagh, K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And your specialized subject will be for the AMA? Running. Running. Or clarinet playing. Oh, yeah. Reed making. Cool. Yeah. Reed making. Mm-hmm. You make your own reeds. Well, I sand them and shape them. I don't start from scratch. You don't, like, grow a reed? I don't actually grow bamboo and yeah. chop it down, no. Okay. You You're should. not a serious clarinet player, no. <laughs> Not like Pete the beekeeper. No. Misha. Yes. Where can they find you on the webs? You can find me at Marketing Misha on Twitter. That's at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. Are you curious about my areas of expertise? I want to know your specialized subjects. So believe it or not, my specialized subjects are cats, wine, and Clemson. I bet no one listening to this podcast had any idea no, about that. No clue. I got a few others, but I'll just let them evolve and come out naturally. Okay. And you can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. My specialized subjects are Star Wars, no surprise, Nintendo, no surprise. And Man- being grumpy. Manchester United <laughs> and sarcasm. Oh, that was one of mine. You stole it. <laughs> we can share it. I'll take cynicism unless Melissa wants that one too. I'll do realism. Okay, I don't fine. believe that. Cubist. I'm a cubist. Pete, Pete is optimism. Okay. Optimism. I like that better. Yeah. You're a chipper. Yeah. And dad jokes. <laughs> yeah. I like bad jokes. He likes dad jokes. I like bad jokes. Yeah. They're pretty much synonyms. Yeah, that's fine. We'll see. All right. Until next time, you've been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. You want to know what I did? I slit the sheet, the sheet I slit, and on the slitted sheet I sit.